0: Hey, Jeremy here, one of the pastors at The Way Church. And want to welcome you to today's sermon. Our heart for you and our prayer for you is that you're strengthened as you listen. And we always hope that in all the teaching, you will be pointed towards the person of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, we believe that you enabled Mark to remember all this and to write it down faithful for us. And I pray now in your mercy and grace, you will take us beyond the words into the very reality of which they speak as never before for we pray this in Jesus name Amen I like the way Chris price put it last Sunday as he launched our series in the gospel according to mark speaking about the first line of Mark's biography of Jesus the beginning of the gospel echoing the first line of the Bible in the beginning Chris said this is the beginning of a new beginning in the coming of Jesus Messiah son of God we are entering the beginning of the new beginning for the world now in this message I want to make sure that we have in our minds the picture mark paints of how the beginning of a new beginning begins After some 30 years living in relative obscurity, Jesus finally launches his public ministry. The time is fulfilled, he says. The time for the new beginning has arrived. Now, you would think that given who Jesus turns out to be, he would begin his public ministry on the steps of the headquarters of the Roman governor Pontius Pilate or, more dramatically, in the precincts of the temple in Jerusalem. But no, Mark tells us that Jesus begins his public ministry standing in line with sinners. That was the price of omission today. Jesus begins his public ministry standing in line with sinners. Standing in line with sinners who after hearing the fiery preaching of John the Baptist Are going to step into the Jordan River To be baptized as an act of repentance for the forgiveness of their sins What is Jesus doing in that line? Why is he going to step into the river? Jesus is not a sinner Jesus does not need to repent he has no sins to confess he does not need to be forgiven right the prophet Isaiah foretells the ministry of John the Baptist who would come as a voice crying in the wilderness make ready the way of the Lord make ready the way of the Lord of Yahweh of the great I am in pointing people to Jesus John is announcing the arrival of Yahweh the great I am. That's why the baptizer says, after me comes one who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thongs of his sandals. Can you imagine how John felt when standing in that river? I've had the privilege of standing in that river many times. After baptizing a host of repentant sinners, which I've had the chance to do many times, Can you imagine how John felt when standing in that river after baptizing a host of repenting sinners, he looks up and he sees Jesus coming to be baptized? No way! In the Gospel according to Matthew, we learn that John actually tries to prevent Jesus from stepping into the water. John protests, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Yet, There he is, beginning his public ministry in line with those who are sinners, who do need to repent, and following those sinners into the waters of repentance. Why is Jesus doing this? Why is Yahweh, the great I Am, in our flesh doing this? Well, the answer is found in what God the Father says to Jesus, As Jesus comes up out of the water, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Only intensifying the question, then what is he doing going into the river with sinners? So focus with me on the father's words to Jesus. As he comes out of the water, Jesus sees the heavens being parted. And he sees the Holy Spirit beginning to descend on him like a dove. And he hears a voice out of heaven saying, you, you are my beloved son. In you, in you, I'm well pleased. Now, what does that mean? Well, before focusing on what the words mean in the context of Jesus' baptism, I want to suggest that the words echo words, the father has been speaking to his son for all eternity. And here I admit that I'm listening to the words through the Gospel of John, although I think Mark would go with me on this. Before the beginning of the universe, the living God existed as the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The living God existed in the eternal fellowship of love, the Father loving his Son for all eternity, the Son loving his Father for all eternity, The Spirit rejoicing in all that love for all eternity. And and although we have no specific text that actually says it, the Father has been saying forever, You are my beloved Son, in you I'm well pleased. On that day, when Jesus formally begins his public ministry, the Father says for all to hear what he has been saying for eon upon eon. Furthermore, Before focusing on what the words mean for Jesus' baptism, I want to suggest that they are spoken in light of what Jesus has already done before he begins his public ministry. Though his baptism is the formal beginning of his ministry, he has been at work doing his Father's will for nearly 40 years, 30 years. For one thing, he chose to do the will of his Father when he chose to become incarnate in our flesh. The eternal Son of God chose, in obedience to his Father, to take on human flesh, to become one of us. That is, the eternal Son of God chose to become what he was not. Meaning, that he has changed the mode of his being forever. Forever from all eternity he had existed as God fully and only divine then in the fullness of time as the Apostle Paul puts it the fully and only divine became human fully human and now exists as both the divine and human the the fully divine and fully human person forever in you I'm well pleased and then From day one of his incarnation, Jesus, the God-man, has lived out obedience to his Father's will. He lived human life the way the Father designed it to be lived. At age 12, after his mother and adoptive father have spent days looking for him, they finally find him in the temple, listening to and teaching the religious leaders and scholars. And Jesus says to his human parents, Did you not know I had to be about my father's business? He's been about his father's business since the day he was born. That is, he has lived as the second Adam, as the new Adam. And here, I'm listening to the voice through the gospel according to Luke, although I think Mark wouldn't mind if we did that. For Luke, Jesus is the new human. And from childhood, he has faithfully lived as the new human. As the theologians like to put it, Jesus has recapitulated Fallen human existence. And in the process, he is undoing Adam's sin. And the Father has delighted in all that Jesus has been doing in the 30 years before he goes into the Jordan River. In you, I am well pleased. So, what do the words mean in the context of Jesus' baptism? That is, what is the gospel In Jesus baptism we are now going to dig deep for when we begin to press into the meaning of Jesus baptism we are entering deep theological waters more than dig deep we're going to have to dive deep and I'm going to do my best to be as clear as I possibly can please do not shy away from what we're going to do Because in these deep theological waters, we are going to be deeply blessed. I think that what Mark wants us to hear in the voice out of the heavens is the Father's reaffirming Jesus' identity and the Father reannouncing Jesus' mission. Jesus' identity and Jesus' mission. I say reaffirming and reannouncing because Jesus has known his identity and mission for a long time. Now, at the beginning of the new beginning, the Father is making sure that all of this is crystal clear. The Father reaffirms Jesus' identity in the words, you are my beloved son, and the Father reannounces Jesus' mission in the words, in you I am well pleased. And to understand all this, we're going to have to do some careful Bible study. Throughout the centuries of church history, biblical scholars have heard in the Father's words the echo of two critical texts of the Old Testament. The texts are from the Psalms and the prophet Isaiah. The texts are Psalm 2 and Isaiah 42 leading to Isaiah 53. Psalm 2 and Isaiah 42 leading to Isaiah 53. And when we read these two texts, We finally understand what Jesus' baptism is all about. And it is incredibly, incredibly good news. Okay, here we go. You are my beloved son. The words are echoing the words of Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is one of the Old Testament texts most frequently quoted in the New Testament. So let us read the psalm. Why are the nations in an uproar? and the peoples devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers of the earth take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. That's the vain thing for leaders of the world to cast off the cords of Yahweh and his anointed. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me... I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. And then the king speaks. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you, ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron, you'll shatter them with, like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment, take warning, O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence, rejoice with trembling, do homage to the Son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath will soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in him. So as Jesus comes out of the water the words you are my son are filled with all that is said about the son in Psalm 2. In particular the fact that my son is my king. In the face of the near universal human rebellion against God, God declares that he has installed his king, my king, and then calls his king my son. My king, my son, will inherit all the kingdoms of the world. Before my son, all the rulers of the world will one day bow. Leaders do homage to my son, or they do not survive for long. Nations seek to work the way of my king, my son, or they do not ultimately work. There is no refuge from my son, from my king. There is only refuge in my son and in my king. So in his baptism, the father is reaffirming who Jesus is. The son who is the king. The beloved son who is the king of kings. Who one day brings rebellious humanity to our knees. Blessed be his name. So are we surprised then by Jesus' first words out of his mouth in his public ministry? Mark 1, 14 to 15. After John the baptizer had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this gospel. And are we surprised then that Jesus is always talking about the kingdom? Most of his discourses are about the kingdom. Most of his parables begin. The kingdom is like. He speaks of seeking, receiving, entering, and seeking the kingdom. That's because as the beloved son, he is the king. Are you following me? Then what in the world is he doing in line with sinners? Stepping into the rivers of repentance with sinners. The king does not need to repent, does he? we do big time but not he so the second word the father speaks to Jesus in his baptism in you I am well pleased these words echo words God spoke long ago in Isaiah 42 Isaiah 42 verse 1 behold My servant whom I delight, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, in whom I'm well pleased. The text goes on. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. It takes great, great strength. To walk by a broken reed, a bruised reed, and not break it. It takes great strength to walk by a dimly lit candle and not extinguish it. He will faithfully f- bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened until he's established justice in the earth. With you, I'm well pleased. The Father is telling the Son, who is the King, that his mission is that of a servant my servant, the great servant upon whom the Father will put his spirit to empower him to bring about the justice of the kingdom in the world. Now, how does he do this? Stay with me. We're going to dive a little deeper. Isaiah 42 is the first of four so-called servant songs. Songs about this great servant who would, God would send to the world, the sinful world, to redeem the world from its sins. Now, in echoing the first servant song in Isaiah 42, we are to assume that somehow the Father is wanting us to hear all the other songs. When Jesus hears the words of Isaiah 42, he knows that he is to hear the words of the other servant songs. Okay, first song, Isaiah 42, second song, Isaiah 49. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother he named me. And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant. Third song, Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. So he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient. I, when I read that, I think of things Jesus says later on. I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do, and my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And then finally, the fourth song, Isaiah 53, Taking us even deeper. Deeper into Jesus' identity and his mission. Now, we're going to read the whole text. This is something you ordinarily do not do on a Sunday morning. In a message. But it's something that we simply have to do. If we are going to understand Jesus' baptism. Okay? So, listen with all your mind and all your heart. We're going to begin at Isaiah 52 verse 13. Behold... My servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, my people. So his appearance was marred beyond that of a man. His form beyond the sons of mankind. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what they had not been told, they will see. What they had not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot. Like a root out of dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look on him, nor any appearance that we should take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. We had no regard for him. However, it was our sickness that he himself bore, our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God, and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment of our well-being was laid upon him. By his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the wrongdoing of my people to whom the blow was due? And his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord... Desired to crush him, causing him grief. If he renders himself a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, for he will bear their wrongdoings. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. He will divide the plunder with the strong, because... He poured out his life unto death and was counted with wrongdoers. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the wrongdoers. Wow. Last September, Sharon and I were in Greece, I leading a study tour for Regent College. On the day we visited the city of Berea, our guide, our guide Dr. Yossi Paz, noticed that the synagogue in Berea was opened. He was greatly delighted. Because this new synagogue was built on the location where the first century synagogue would have been located and where the apostle Paul preached, where he likely preached Isaiah 53. Anyway, Dr. Paz was so excited the synagogue was open, and he asked me to give a brief exposition of this text in the synagogue. And he thought it would be wholly appropriate for me to put on the shawl that the rabbi would wear when opening up this sacred text. So there I am, standing at the podium, shawl on my shoulders, my fellow travelers gathered in a semicircle before me. As I began to read the text, I noticed a group of six or seven other tourists enter the synagogue. Dr. Paz whispered to me, they're secular Jews from Israel, which made me very nervous. (laughs) Because I wanted to make sure I was treating this text faithfully so as not to offend them. They gathered around our group and listened intently as I nervously worked through Isaiah 53. When I finished talking, one of the women came up to me. She was very animated with joy, joyfully animated. And she says to me, that was such a lovely talk you gave. And it is such a powerfully wonderful passage you read. And then she said this, I did not know that was in our scriptures. I'm overwhelmed that there is a servant who comes for sinners. This is the most immediate, meaningful event of our entire trip. When the Father says, In you I am well pleased, he's affirming what Jesus knows. Jesus is that servant of Isaiah 40, 49, 50, and 53, the suffering servant. Now, notice especially. The lines, verse 4. Surely our griefs or sickness he himself bore, our sorrows, pains he carried. Verse 5. He was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. By his scourging we are healed. Verse 6. The Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Verse 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to death, if he would render himself a guilt offering. Verse 11, my servant will justify the many. He will bear their iniquities. And then verse 12, because he poured out his soul to death, he was numbered with the transgressors. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Do you now see? Do you see? Why Jesus is standing in line with sinners? Do you see why Jesus is stepping into the river with sinners? On that day, he was embracing his identity and mission. He was choosing to be numbered with sinners. He chooses to be one with sinners. He does not stand off in self-righteousness towards sinners. He comes and he stands with us more than stand with us. He bears our sins and transgressions and iniquities. He takes up all our wrongdoings as his own. As the Apostle Paul would daringly say later on, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He who for all eternity was God became flesh for us, and then in his flesh he became sin for us. That's why the great 20th century theologian, Karl Barth, daringly says of Jesus, as Jesus goes into the river, he is the one great sinner who repents. He takes on our sin and then repents for us. And the Father says, in you, I'm well pleased. Are you with me? That's why John the Baptist changes his message after this. From prepare the way of the Lord to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mercy, mercy, mercy. So pull it all together. You are my son. You're my king. And one day the whole universe will know it. In you I'm well pleased. You're my servant. The suffering servant. You're the king who is the suffering servant. You're the king who reigns as a servant. There are no other kings but servant kings. You're the servant who embodies true kingliness. You will receive the crown because you went to the cross. And you'll be able to do your identity and mission because I'm going to pour my spirit on you. And then Mark says, the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where the great enemy of God comes to tempt Jesus, to tempt Jesus not to believe his identity as the Son, and to tempt Jesus to not embrace his mission, to offer Jesus a way to wear the crown without going to the cross. But Jesus stands firm. He does not yield to the temptation, for he believes deep in his soul what the Father says to him as he came out of the water. You are my son. In you, I'm well pleased. And he is the one who in the next section of the gospel, according to Mark, will say to us, follow me. Literally, it is here, behind me. I got in line with you. Now you get in line with me. Given who he is, like who else are we going to get in line behind Following him will mean embracing him as the beloved son, and in that embracing, being brought into his sonship with him, wherein the Spirit comes upon us and enables us to pray the way Jesus prayed, Abba, Father. Following him will mean surrendering to him as king, saying to him, you alone are the king, you alone are my king, and then doing whatever he tells you to do. And following him will mean choosing to join him in his mission, in suffering for the world, saying to him, I choose to follow you in the way of servanthood and doing so in the confidence that what was true of him will be true of us, that the way up is down and that the way to live is to give your life away for others and thereby be lifted up into the eternal fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What a way to begin the beginning of the new beginning. Jesus going into the river with us and for us. Blessed be his name. Thanks for taking time to listen to today's message. If you're interested in learning more about the Way Church or if you want to get connected in any way, You can go to our website, thewaychurch.ca, and we would love to hear from you. Again, our prayer was that you were strengthened through today's teaching, trust that you were, and much love from our team to you.